This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. The legal information presented on In Legal Terms is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information conveyed does not create any type of attorney-client relationship. Please consult an attorney provider before making any decisions about your specific legal questions. To In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio. It's the show all about you and your rights. I'm Liz Gill. I'm with Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. Hello, Professor Gershon. Good morning, Liz, and I'm really excited about this show. We're, we're really lucky to have Mark Garriga back on the show. Uh, he was with us fairly recently to talk about the then pending Supreme Court case on Initiative 65. And then surprise. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So, you know, I think a lot of people were surprised by that. And um, the court decided the case on May 14th. So just uh, just recently. Uh, And Mark, thanks for joining us. And can can you remind us of your background and, and your involvement in not just this initiative, but the initiative process in general? Yeah, uh, thank you, uh, Richard, and thanks, uh, Liz, for having me. Um, I was fortunate enough to be in the legislature in 1992 when we passed initiative and referendum, and um, it was a big deal then, and it took a long time to get there. So it's something I've been interested in for a long time. I used to be uh, on the board of uh, something called the Initiative and Referendum Institute that is now at the University of uh, Southern California, and um, it's just been a subject near and dear to my heart. And although I am interested in medical marijuana and love to talk about it, uh, what's happened to the initiative and referendum process has is, is really got my attention and, and the attention of a lot of people. Right. So generally, I mean, we'll talk some specifics, but what, what did the Mississippi Supreme Court decide last week? So in one respect, um, it was a narrow decision that had to do with the Secretary of State's certification of the medical marijuana petitions. And so just to remind everybody how that works is the people who are involved in an initiative gather all the signatures, then they have to present those those physical petitions to the the clerks in each each county. And then eventually all of those petitions make their way to, to the Secretary of State. And the Secretary of State has to certify the petitions, that is, that they have the requisite number of signatures. And so in, uh, with the medical marijuana petition, that's what the Secretary of State did, who was Delbert Hoseman at that time. Oh, excuse me, I'm sorry, no, that's not right. It's, it's uh, Secretary Watson now. And uh, certified those petitions. And so the petitions, um, that, that was really what was at issue. And so when the lawsuit was filed by the city of Madison, the mayor on behalf of the city of Madison, they were challenging that one issue. That is, did the secretary of state correctly certify those petitions? So that's the narrow issue that was decided in the case. Of course, as you know, and I hope we'll talk about, it has much right, uh, much wider ramifications. Right, and so and you mentioned that. So this this ruling doesn't just impact on medical marijuana, but it impacts on certainly on pending initiative proposals uh, and, you know, and that, what exactly? So the mayor's, the mayor of Madison filed this lawsuit in front of the Mississippi Supreme Court. Uh, on, on what grounds? I mean, where does she have standing to do that? Well, uh, for, on a, 
using a couple of different rationale. Um, one is the, the provision in the Mississippi Constitution, Section 273, actually has a provision in it that gives the Supreme Court original jurisdiction in, in, in interpreting you know, think legal processes involved with referendums. So that's the mechanism. And then um, there's this, of course, this concept of standing. You know, do you do you have a colorable interest in the subject matter? And that was challenged in this case. The Supreme Court said that the mayor of Madison, like any other mayor who could be affected by medical marijuana dispensaries and the law, uh, does have a colorable interest in the matter. And so she, on behalf of the city and in her official position, um, had standing. So. We are talking about the medical marijuana initiative that isn't anymore, all of the initiatives that aren't. What's next? How did we get here? Where do we go from here? That's what we're discussing today on In Legal Terms. We would love for you to send us an email, legalterms at mpbonline.org. And I'll start us off with a question. My kind of half pay attention, not half pay attention to the news uh, mentality. Mark, I thought the 65 folks went ahead with the four representative congressional district signatures rather than the five. All of that, I thought that was based on an attorney general letter saying, go for it. That's okay. Just go ahead and get the four evenly. Yeah, I mean, Liz, you're right, and um, you do have the facts right on that. That's exactly what happened. Um, that actually happened in 2009, and Secretary Hoseman at that time asked the Attorney General, there was another petition uh, pending at that time, asked the Attorney General for an opinion. You know, do I use the four that are in existence now, or do I use the five congressional districts that were um, in existence at the time of initiative, when the initiative amendment became law, which was 1992. And the attorney general opinion in 2009 said, you use the five that were in existence at the time of the uh, passage of the amendment. And so that's what we've been operating under since then. Um, it's that opinion is one of the, the facts in the case, and that's it's that opinion that was partially uh, at the heart of the decision. You know, people, um, as, as, as Professor Gershon knows, an attorney general opinion is just that. It's an attorney general opinion. And so the Supreme Court doesn't have to follow. So they disagreed with the attorney general's opinion. Well, Mark, you know, it's interesting because that's that's a really we, you and I were talking about this before the show that um, my understanding there, there were three attempts in the legislature to correct this. I mean, you and I would call it a technical correction. I, you know, in tax law, we talk about technical corrections all the time. They're all mistakes you know, that are made by the legislature and then they can be fixed. This has been 20 years or so. There have been three attempts to fix this, make a technical correction. It never got out of committee. And, and how does that happen? Um, I'd like to think it was because I don't know that many people really gave this a ton of thought. Uh, it is true, and the, the court, Supreme Court points this out in their opinion, that uh, the argument had been made in the attorney general's opinion that we probably need to fix this. 
but there's so many things that happen in a legislative session. This was not at the top of the list. I'm sure a lot of people thought there's just no way uh, this would ever be invalidated. It's a constitutional amendment. We've already had some initiatives. Um, and so it just wasn't a priority for the legislature and for their committees. I don't think there was any, that was anything more than that. Um, there's just so many things that happened during the legislative session. Just This just wasn't at the top of anybody's list. That's, uh, so, Liz, I think we had no call. I'm sorry. I thought we had a call, and, and I, I was going to go to that. Um, I, I imagine we probably will get some calls today based on what I've been seeing on, on Twitter and social media about this initiative. I think, I think a lot of people are concerned. And, and you know, you mentioned, Mark, uh, it's not just Initiative 65, which that already a lot of people, as, as you, you, you and I were talking about, have put a lot of money into what they thought was going to happen. You want to, would you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's there's it's a dual there's a dual tragedy here. Um, we're all talking about medical marijuana, and uh, because you know, depending on how you add these numbers up, I, I believe that more than seventy percent of Mississippians who voted in November were in favor of some form of medical marijuana, and so based upon that. In-state residents, out-of-state residents, small companies, family companies, large companies, uh, a lot of people have been involved since November in getting, trying to get this uh, in new industry off the ground in Mississippi. You know, millions and millions of dollars has already been invested in medical marijuana in Mississippi. Um, and also the state government has been involved. You know, think about the people at the Department of Health who have been working overtime, literally overtime, nights and weekends to get these regulations ready. So there's that, you know, very unfortunate set of circumstances now that we have on our hands. Um, and that's bad enough. But the fact that initiative has been part of the Mississippi Constitution since 1992, and it is just gone overnight, uh, it's a really serious matter. And, and if we have time today, I'd like to talk about the historical, give a little historical perspective on that, um, since you know, I was there in 92 when it was passed. But it goes back even more than 100 years in Mississippi. Well, this is, Liz, this is, I mean, such a great discussion. We're so lucky to have Mark uh, back on the show to talk about this. And, uh, you know, we do, we definitely want to talk about the historical background of, of initiatives because that's the way for people to have their voice heard if the legislature is not responding to what people in the state want. You can email us your questions, legalterms at mpbonline.org. We're discussing the recent Mississippi Supreme Court decision that the initiative process in our state is unconstitutional. What now? How did we get there? Attorney Mark Guerrera from Butler Snow is going to help us out. How can you find more In Legal Terms broadcasts? I'll tell you next. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio.
on Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit and Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app. in legal terms. Not everyone has a chance to listen to our show live. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show at inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. It's also available on the MPB Public Media app, as are all our local shows. I'm Liz Gill. I'm here with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. There are so many ways that you can listen to our In Legal Terms broadcast. We're on the iHeartRadio app. We're on the MPB Think Radio YouTube channel. And my new favorite, Jay White's our engineer, and we love it, Deezer. It's a French online music streaming service, but they also have our podcast. We like just saying Deezer. Kind of kind of a joke. joke. Not joking. I like Deezer. What's a Deezer? Yeah, what's a Deezer? Anyway, this morning we are talking about the recent, just last Friday from the Tuesday that we're recording this, Mississippi Supreme Court ruling that our state initiative process is unconstitutional with our guest, Mark Guerrera of Butler Snow. We have a full line of calls, of comments and questions, so our expert Mark is going to help us out with these. First, we're going to Mary in Oxford. Mary, thank you so much for calling into In Legal Terms. What's your comment or question? Well, I have a comment. First, first my question, I don't suppose that we can reuse, recycle all those petitions that I signed for several years. Mark, uh, can those, are, do petitions have an expiration date? Yeah, unfortunately they do. Um, they all have to be gathered within a one-year period. And, um, you know, depending on how a court would interpret that, um, those could very well be expired. Now, um, it probably wouldn't do any good to recycle re, um, them anyway, because now we have what's called stare decisis. It's the law of the case. So the secretary's certification was now found to be unconstitutional. Um, probably the safest way to go about this would be to do it again. Now, um, I could be talked into maybe figuring out a way through some legal theory to recycle those petitions and present them again after the laws changed. I just, I think that would be a little iffy. Um, and remember now, we don't have to rely on the initiative process. Um, the legislature can be brought back into session by the governor and, or the legislature will be back in town in January. They can pass a medical marijuana law. It doesn't have to be done through the initiative and referendum process. Mary, did you also have a question? Well, that was my question, but I had a comment. Uh, um, this is a terrible situation. My uh, daughter-in-law has a prescription for medical marijuana, but uh, and she has MS and can't stand and has to have constant help. And 
she's able to sleep better at night, which means her husband, who is her caretaker, 24-7, 300 and some days a year. So um, that means that I'm limited on when she can visit or how she can visit. And um, there are people in the state. You know, I am in pain. I'm in my 80s, going toward my 90s. And uh, I can certainly use it. So I don't understand why these legislators are so tied up in little head-picking laws to keep compassion from taking place over um, the state of Mississippi. I'm just really frustrated. That is just my statement. (laughs) Thank you, Mary. We appreciate you calling in. Professor Gershon? Well, Mark, I was just going to ask if there's, you know, you mentioned stare decisis. Is there a way for someone at the federal level to challenge what happened at the uh, Mississippi Supreme Court? Uh, I uh, was exchanging uh, some uh, Twitter posts with someone about the First Amendment, uh, you know, and also the 14th Amendment challenges in the U.S. Constitution, potentially. I mean, are those even an avenue that someone's considering? Um, well, I'm not a constitutional scholar, but um, yeah, theoretically, theoretically, if you could get the Supreme Court's attention and you would have to show that somehow the state of Mississippi's ruling, uh, their Supreme Court, um, was unconstitutional by the U.S. Constitution, so therefore violating the First Amendment or something like that. You know, uh, Richard, as you know, the, the, the federal courts are loath to get involved in the political processes of the states. And it would have to be found to be a serious violation of the First Amendment to even get close to getting certain grants. So, yeah, it, it would be a real long shot. And, and I'm no constitutional scholar either, but I know that there's a recent, uh, recent uh, Supreme Court opinion on uh, criminal procedure that would say exactly that, that we're not going to mess with the states pretty much is to put it in, in short term. So, yeah, I doubt there's much, unfortunately, that can happen there. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, people have asked about that. I'm afraid this is the end of the road. Uh, now, maybe some people will try it. Um, I mean, more power to them if they can get the Supreme Court to do something, but I wouldn't hold my breath on that one. Let's go back to the phones. We've got Roger calling in from Florence. Roger, thanks so much for calling in to In Legal Terms. What's your comment or question? Well, first, what a wonderful program. Uh, as, a, as a trial judge, I would have great respect for the Mississippi Supreme Court. And, of course, all of us aspire to be there sometime. We can get to. But I think it's really tragic that, the, uh, that our press entertains commentary putting the blame on the Mississippi Supreme Court. That's real unfortunate, and I hope the listeners know that all that court can do is take the case and follow them, and I know that your experts will will, will bolster this this comment, Uh, take what's presented to them and rule on it. They can't do what they sense that the public wants. And so there are tragedies that occur, but the blame, if there's blame, lies with the Mississippi State Legislature, which, in my opinion, now this is strictly my opinion, the legislature is loath to encourage referendums. They don't want the public to rule 
Now, in this case, they're going to have to do something. And so in this case, the expeditious thing to do would be for the governor to call a session. I don't think that's going to happen. He's got his own pressures. It's all political. But don't blame the Mississippi Supreme Court. They have simply ruled, and I hope that your experts will comment on that subject for your listeners. Thank you. Thank you, Roger. We always appreciate hearing from you, our our regular listeners and our first-time listeners. We love all of you. Well, I think that's a really good point, Roger. I, you know, I, I, Mark, I'd, I'd love to hear your comments on this. I kind of feel like, you know, it was a situation the Supreme Court um, made a decision that they have to interpret the law as it is, and, and that's what uh, six of the justices said. There was a very strong dissent written by uh, one of our adjunct professors, and, uh, uh, Justice Jimmy Maxwell, that um, uh, I thought also could be a compelling argument the court could have gone that way and i kind of i tend to agree with, with uh, judge maxwell justice maxwell but um what what, do you, what about that i mean the court was just doing what it could do yeah i think i think roger's point is a very good one and you know the courts um, the courts that's why you know as lawyers we call it the court we don't talk about the individual judges we don't talk about their individual motivations you know and, and it's also you know somewhat considered unethical to do so with good reason they've got a tough job that's all they're supposed to do that's that's exactly what they do and when you read the opinion there's nothing you know there's not you know i can disagree with the rationale that they have written, and I do disagree, uh, and maybe we can talk about that if we get enough time today, but it's a valid opinion. Uh, If you watched the oral argument, you saw it was a very effective argument by the appellants in that case, Um, and it was persuasive, I'll say that. And so there were two very valid points here. The Supreme Court ruled six justices decided that there was nothing ambiguous about this provision in the Mississippi Constitution. So it was just their job to read it as written. And they said it was, quote, unworkable, end of quote. Good enough. Um, I disagree, but it's a a valid opinion. And that's why we have courts. Um, And let me say also Roger's point about initiative and referendum. Uh, he's exactly right. Um, you know, it's interesting to me that it was almost 99 years ago, it was 99 years ago, that the Mississippi Supreme Court struck down initiative for the first time in 1922. And so um, it, these processes, these initiative processes are not without controversy. And there will be, you know, and you'll hear this argument, uh, it's not as popular anymore, but there will be legislators who think, you know, the initiative process is too unwieldy and too dangerous. That people will come up with crazy ideas. Um, and you'll hear some of this as this debate goes on, unfortunately. Let's go back to the phones. We have a full bank of calls today. We are talking about the recent Mississippi Supreme Court decision that struck down Initiative 65, which there in turn struck down all of Mississippi's initiative process until a legislative law fixes it. Let's go with Caroline, who's calling from Blue Mountain. Caroline, thank you so much for being part of In Legal Terms today. What's your comment or question? I'm not calling. 
Good morning. Yes, I was calling to ask, I understand that the initiative process going forward is no longer effective in its current state and that this specifically addresses the certification by uh, Michael Watson on this uh, referendum. But what about any previous ones that have occurred since we lost um, that congressional seat? Does this go back and undo those as well? And I'll hang up and listen. All right, drive safely. I can hear those windshield wipers, and we want all of our listeners and callers to remember to drive safely while you're listening to MPB. Uh, Mark, what about uh, this initiative process, I believe, happened in 1992. What about all the other initiatives that were passed since then? Well, um, Professor Gershon and I were talking about this a minute ago. It's a fascinating question, Caroline, and um, I can't tell you 100% that I know the answer, but um, a couple of things to keep in mind. As you pointed out, this was just a ruling on a single act by the Secretary of State uh, to certify the petitions for medical marijuana. So there have been two initiatives that have made it to the ballot uh, since 2002, uh, which was when the federal district court or the three-judge panel ordered the, the uh, reapportionment of Mississippi to four districts. So it theoretically only involves those two uh, that were certified by the Secretary of State. And since those have happened at some period of time, I haven't gone back to look at the exact number of years. You know, there are issues about, there are issues that would involve statute of limitations, um, the people have already acted on those initiatives, so there are legal arguments for latches, for maybe even a estoppel if, if there are courts involved in any law anywhere along the way. So I don't, you know, my initial impression is those two are not threatened, but uh, it'll be interesting to see whether someone files some litigation somewhere to now use this decision to challenge those two. Richard, do you have any comment about that before we take our break? I don't. I think it's an interesting, a really interesting question, Caroline. I think, and and we, it, it'll remains to be seen. But I, I agree. I totally agree with Mark. I think it's going to be hard to undo those things that have been done already. You can email us your questions if you're not at a place to uh, ask them on the phone. Our address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. We are talking with attorney Mark Guerrera of Butler Snow about the Mississippi Supreme Court ruling that state initiative 65 uh, gathering of signatures was unconstitutional. Our show is going to become a podcast. What's a podcast? You might ask. I'm going to tell you next. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio.
Hey, this is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio, or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcasting app. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Professor Richard Gershon is our expert host. I'm Liz Gill. We hope you'll subscribe to our podcasts. Now, podcasts are just ways to get audio information. They aren't albums or musical recordings. They aren't audiobooks. They're just people talking. And there are many different podcasting platforms. I happen to like Podcast Addict. Apple has a podcast app. Stitcher has a podcast app. You download it to your smart device, your phone, or your tablet. Then you, on mine, I touch a plus that takes me to a page to search for podcast. I typed in in legal terms in the search area. It brought up in legal terms, and I'm able to touch the photo and subscribe. And that way I'm also notified when any new episodes are loaded up. This morning, we are learning about Initiative 65, what the Mississippi Supreme Court, how they ruled it was unconstitutional. Our guest is Mark Garriga, an attorney with Butler Snow. We've got some phone calls. We're going to go to Diana in Morton. Diana, thank you so much for calling in to In Legal Terms today. What's your comment or question? Hi, uh, thank you for taking my call. Um, well, okay, so it occurs to me, um, it was the job, you know, of the Mississippi Congress to change this process. I mean, they had 20 years to to change this if this was the issue for ballot initiatives. And, you know, it's not like, I mean, did, I mean, was it up to the people to put a ballot initiative to change ballot initiatives? I mean, was that was that what they were expecting? Because, I mean, as it occurs to me, people have followed the constitutional process. People have done this, and people voted. And, and every constitutional process was followed by the people. What seems unconstitutional to me is for it to be turned around, and at the last minute, after everyone has assumed positions and invested and done their jobs— that suddenly they're going to say, oh, wait, we forgot about this, and no, we're going to say it's unconstitutional now. What were we supposed to ever do about that? Mark? Well, Diane, uh, you you raise a good point. Um, You know, back in 2009, the Attorney General, uh, in an opinion that was given to Secretary of State Hosman at that time, said, uh, basically, you can use the five districts that were in existence in 92. And, but uh, they do, I think I was looking for the exact wording. The, the attorney general did say, you know, this probably should be revisited by the legislature as soon as possible. And, and there was some discussion about it by that time. Um, you know, I just don't think it, anybody thought it was really going to happen. And, you know, that's not much of an excuse. Uh, it's just that you know, we'd already had an initiative or two. There, you have this AG opinion saying, 
don't worry about it, basically keep, keep using the five districts. There's a way to interpret the initiative and referendum amendment to the Constitution, whereas it's not a problem, as three of the justices pointed out. So it just wasn't, you know, I, it's all hindsight at this point, but it just didn't seem to be a priority, and I, I can't really quibble with that too much. Uh, it's my hope, though, that the governor, you know, it's his decision, his prerogative, that he will call a special session. Initiative and referendum is way too important. Uh, it's been hard fought. It was not easy to get it in 1992. It took many years of lots of work by a lot of people to get it here. And to lose it this quickly uh, and like this is just really heartbreaking. And, um, you know, there's a lot going on in Mississippi. There are other initiatives out there. There's one to expand Medicaid, no matter how you feel about that. That one now is basically dead in the water until the spring, excuse, until the legislature acts. So I hope they'll do something quickly. Thanks, Diane. We appreciate you calling in today. Let's go to Sue in Beaumont. Sue, thank you so much for calling into In Legal Terms. What's your comment or question? I'm just wondering, uh, our governor, Tate Reeves, does he have any influence in all this hullabaloo? Uh, it seems that he backs off and doesn't say anything when we need him to speak up and say, say something about the Supreme Court and what they're doing. Does he have any power to change anything? Well, he really does. It's a great question. He does. Um, and I, just judging from the news reports I've read this morning, uh, the governor's office is considering whether to call a special session. Um, it is, is within the governor's power to do that. The governor has the option of not only calling a special session to consider a new initiative uh, provision for the Mississippi Constitution, but it's within the governor's authority to also um, ask the legislature to come back to town to reconsider passing the Medical Marijuana Act, too. So it's it's his prerogative. Um, I don't know where the governor stands on this. Um, I know they're carefully considering it. And um, the governor's office may decide to wait until January when the legislature comes back into town. I just don't know. I don't really have any insight into that. And Mark, you know, I think you know, part, of, part of this question, too, I mean, I, the governor can't just overturn the Supreme Court decision, though, because we have co-equal branches of government, and that's, we. I, you know, I'm a strong believer in the independence of the judiciary. So back to Roger's point, I mean, that's really an important part of our checks and balances. But um, a lot of people complained about Initiative 65, the, 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 you know, at the, at the beginning when it was proposed that... You know, we really don't want something like this to be part of our Constitution necessarily. It makes much more sense as legislation. It's just that there was no legislation getting done. So maybe at the end of this, we end up with some good legislation about marijuana, I hope. Yeah, there, there was a lot of debate in the legislature about passing the medical marijuana bill. In fact, one of the measures actually made it out of the Senate uh, over to the House. Now, uh, the House decided we didn't really need the legislation. Uh, of course, there prerogative. Um, in hindsight, you know, I'm sure there's some people in the House that wish they had passed it. But uh, at the very least, now we have an opportunity, either through a special session or when the legislature gets back in town in January, to pass a comprehensive medical marijuana law. Um, depending on your point of view, that may be a good thing or a bad thing. 
there are lots of things that can be done uh, in the context of a medical marijuana law that not necessarily everybody would agree with. You know, you can control taxation. Uh, you know, this, one of the, I think one of the good things about uh, the initiative was that it was, it was just a flat limit on taxes, um, sort of like the way that Mississippi handled gaming. Uh, it was a relatively low taxation rate compared to other states. So that'll be revisited by the legislature should they take up medical marijuana. Uh, there are things like residency requirements for the uh, investors in a marijuana business. That'll, that issue will be alive again. Uh, there's the issue of vertical integration. That is, should somebody be allowed to own everything from beginning to end in the cultivation process? That is, you know, should the same company be allowed to own a harvest, uh, a growing operation, and also dispensaries? Some states break that up. You know, all those issues now will be in play if it goes through the legislature. So in some respect, you know, the amendment made things a lot simpler. Uh, and now <laughs> I think you're going to see quite a, a vigorous debate on how this law should be handled in Mississippi. Thank you, Sue. We appreciate you calling in. Let's now move to Hattiesburg and speak with Michael. Michael, thank you for calling into In Legal Terms today. What's your comment or question? Well, a comment to Diane was perhaps we need to elect better legislators if that's what the people need to do. But my question is, what would it, what does it actually take for the legislature just to change the, the wording to 25% from each of the four districts? Um, well, Michael, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty straightforward process. And uh, so what they would have to do is they would well, frankly, at this point, they have to go back and start again. But it'll be an, at a it'll be a new amendment to the Mississippi Constitution, um, and it will it will be you know will change the wording to where it's not affected by uh, redistricting and redistribution every ten years, and that'll have to pass the House and the Senate by a two thirds vote, and then it goes on the ballot. So you'll get a chance to vote on whether there'll be a new initiative process for the state of Mississippi. Uh, so if the governor calls uh, the legislature back in session, you know, I would think you could expect to see that on the ballot uh, probably as soon as November of this year. If, if the governor doesn't call them back in the ses special session, then you're not going to get a chance to vote on initiative until next year sometime at the earliest. Thank you for explaining that. Sure. Thank you, Michael. Let's take one last call before our break and go to Memphis and speak with Susan. Susan, thank you so much for calling in to In Legal Terms today. What's your comment or question? Well, my question is, um, what can the people do to force the legislature to act? In the judicial dissent, it said that there have been bills introduced to correct Section 273 uh, between 2003 and 2015. A number of bills were introduced in the legislature, and they all died in committee. And my question is, well, what can we, the people, do to force the legislature to act to correct this uh, a problem with the constitutional right to petition our government? Well, one of, one of the things that's, uh, that's changed about the Mississippi legislature from you know, 20 years ago or more than when I was there is that individual legislators are much more accessible now. And so if you just go to the to Mississippi legislature website, it's a, it's a wonderful website, 
You'll see all of the legislators there. You'll see their email addresses. Um, you know, I, I, I hope that if people feel strongly about this issue, they'll let their legislator know about it. Um, send them an email, send them a polite email <laughs> would be my advice. That's the ones that really get read. And just explain to them how strongly you feel about this. This is people power. This is something that we've had for more than almost 20 years now, and it's a shame that we don't have it anymore. And would you please consider um, doing something about it? And, um, you know, I think you'll get a response. I, I, I feel it. I mean, it's only been, you know, it's been just a, just a few days now, but I feel the sentiment growing. Uh, all you got to do is read the, the current news reports that are coming out this morning and yesterday. Uh, there's a groundswell coming on this, and it's frankly, it's very nice to see. Um, but these legislators are, you know, they're, we've got a, a very good legislature. They're, they're responsive, and they're here. They're going to hear you, and just reach out to them. That's Thank you, point, Susan. Mark. We appreciate you calling in. Yeah, thank you for that call. And yeah, it's a, it's a great point. And, and uh, reach out to them because they have to respond to you or you don't reelect them, as, as a caller said. And, um, and um, you know, I, I've been seeing responses from all parts of the political spectrum that are upset about the loss of the initiative process and also the loss, uh, particularly Initiative 65, which had already gone and been voted on. Uh, I think that's what got a lot of people upset, and that was not just from one party or one uh, political perspective that voted on medical marijuana, and I think that's why people are upset. Yeah, isn't that fascinating? That's a good observation, Richard. This this is one of those, and I know we talked about this last time, this is one of those rare issues where you get support across the spectrum. Uh, you know, on the far right, if you want to call it that, and libertarian viewpoints who are, who are supporting medical marijuana, people who actually have an interest in it because either they're ill or they have a loved one who's ill, and, of course, people on the liberal side of the spectrum on the left supporting it. So it, it has widespread support. One of the other positive things I'll say about it, and I hope the legislature keeps this in mind, is that you know, Mississippi, uh, I would argue, handled gaming the right way. We kept it wide open. That is, you know, we didn't limit the number of licenses. If you qualified for a license, you were able to get in the business. Uh, of course, you had to meet all the requirements of the Gaming Commission. And, um, and we kept the taxes low. As a result, you know, for a period of time then, Mississippi had one of the most vigorous uh, and well-regulated and highly productive from a tax revenue standpoint, gaming industries in the entire country. I've had a chance to look at medical marijuana's laws in surrounding states, and Mississippi's was by far more open and in the spirit of gaming, uh, low taxes, uh, lower regulations. And I think it was going to, I think I, it was going to produce a very vigorous, well-regulated industry. You know, I have great faith that the Department of Health was well on its way to to doing the right thing and, and, and well and, and enacting regulations that were going to do the right thing with this industry, just like we did with gaming. And so I hope there won't be too many state controls on this. You've got to, you've got, of course, you have to regulate. It's a dangerous controlled substance, and we need to be careful about how it's used and how it's 
uh, we allow people to purchase it and use it. But um, if you over-regulate it too, like some states have already done, you know, it's just not going to do many people very much good. And the state, by the way, won't get the revenue that it deserves to get from it. We'd love to take your email questions, legalterms at mpbonline.org. We're going to hear more from our expert, Mark Gariga, when we come back. Where can you hear more legal podcasts or maybe read legal issue blogs if that's your jam? I'm going to tell you next. This is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Grayson. You can now listen to the wild, weird, and wonderful stories of Mississippi with Mile Marker. Some of the big names that travel up and down the highways, obviously Elvis and Johnny Cash, and you have Jerry Lewis, Carl Perkins. Join me as we hit the roads of Mississippi on Mile Marker. Johnny Cash suggested that Carl write a song called Blue Suede Shoes that was all kind of created with Aaron Amory. You can listen by going to mpbonline.org slash radio or by using your favorite podcasting app. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. Thank you for being part of In Legal Terms. If you've missed any of our program, you remember you can listen to the whole show, inlegalterms.com mpbonline.org. So we got the website. We got our app, the MPB Public Media app. It's a podcast. I'm Liz Gill. I'm here with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law at 11 a.m. Central on Tuesdays following our over-the-air broadcast. You can hear Southern Remedies, relatively speaking, with Dr. Susan Buttress on MPB Think Radio. Now, if you are interested in attorney publications, newsletters, blogs, podcasts, events, just check out butlersnow.com's webpage. We're talking today with Mark Gariga, an attorney with Butler Snow. We're talking about the ruling by the Mississippi Supreme Court that the signatures collected for Initiative 65 was unconstitutional. So that Initiative 65 isn't going to happen the way the people voted on it. So, Mark, I, you know, I, what would you like? I know what you would have liked to have seen happen, and I think, you know, the vast majority of the people in the state have kind of also said what they would have liked to have seen happen. What is our next best option? What's plan B in this case? Well, uh, you're nice to ask. And by the way, I, I need to make sure that everybody understands that these are just my personal opinions. I work for a law firm. These are not the opinions of the law firm. You know, the standard disclaimer. Sure. Um, 
But uh, I, I hope people in state government will remember um, that 70 percent of Mississippi voters in 1992 enacted the initiative amendment to the Mississippi Constitution. Uh, it was hard fought. And to lose it this quickly uh, and in this way is just, you know, in my view, it's just it's very sad and it needs to be fixed. And so I'm hoping Plan B will, that will be that we'll have a special session soon. And if not a special session, I certainly understand there are, there are other problems in the state that may take precedent. Uh, but that the legislature, the next time they're in town, will take care of this quickly, two-thirds of, uh, and that they don't change it too much, don't make it too hard. Uh, two-thirds of each the House will vote to pass a new initiative process. Um, I, I would hope also Plan B is that the legislature that's already started working on a medical marijuana law will um, keep working on it, uh, get it, get it ready to go for the next session whenever that is. And because that was also supported, depending on how you measure it, by at least 70 percent of Mississippians who, who bothered to vote. More than this is an incredible fact. More than one million people in this state uh, took the time to go to the polls and either voted for Initiative 65 or 65A, both of which would have legalized medical marijuana in Mississippi. You know, it's roughly a third of everybody in this state, and we never get those kind of numbers in elections. So there's a significant number of people, I would argue, that would like to see initiative restored. We would like to see medical marijuana restored in Mississippi. Is there any chance that the legislature could just adopt Initiative 65 as it was passed by the people? I mean, is that possible that, you know, that, that, that they would just say, let's just, the people wanted it, let's just enact it? Yeah, I mean, that, yeah, that's a good question, and it, and it is absolutely one of the options. I mean, you could basically cut and paste it, throw it in a piece of legislation, and do it again. And I know that there will be some arguments to do that. There are all these other issues out there that are um, probably going to find their way into the debate, though. So um, it remains to be seen whether it'll just be an issue of 65. Um, you know, I would argue that since the Department of Health already released the regulations um, to keep them from having to redo all their work, uh, there's certainly something to be said for just redoing 65 as it was. There are a lot of people um, who are not happy about the zoning restrictions and things like that at the local level. So you know, there are issues that I like that I'm, I'm sure that will probably get revisited in the legislative process. Mark, we certainly appreciate you being part of the MPB in Legal Terms team today. Thank you so much for taking an hour out of your work day to volunteer to come be with us today. Thanks for asking, Liz. Thanks, Richard. That's going to wrap up today's In Legal Terms. It is a team. Java Chapman's a team member, and so is Jay White. And Professor Richard Gershon, he's our coach, he's our team leader, who hosts from the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill, and I hope that you'll join us next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central for In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. 